The fantasy genre is vast, complex, and has existed for time immemorial. It is a way to escape the drudgery of everyday life, but also a method humanity uses to examine itself in interesting, boundary-shattering ways. We are fascinated with the heights of glory we can rise to, with the depths of depravity in which we sometimes fall. Fantasy gives us an opportunity to reflect on these themes, and let's face it, it's also just plain old fun. Join us weekly on Fridays for the Fantasy in General podcast, where we discuss all things fantasy in general. Thank you so much, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Fantasy in General. Back at the Fig Pod. Here for all of your fantasy I don't know. Once needs and desires. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. <laughs> I thought I was gonna, I almost had another little tagline going, but nope. Okay. I need, I need to uh, do my homework. Brainstorm. Maybe bust out a thesaurus. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. That's what I need Just to do. Start dropping some crazy words that people haven't used since 1920, you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, that would be ideal. It would be. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's start off with food. Okay. Always good. So I have been on like a healthy kick lately. Okay. But okay. I just got this... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, is this like, like a particular type of diet, like paleo or something oh, like no. that? Or oh, okay. No, just trying to really eat more like whole foods, you know? Yeah. Fair enough. That's yeah. cool. Uh, but I just went on vacation and calories don't count. No, they don't count. And then <laughs> every time I get back from vacation, the day after I give myself another day, you know? Sure. So you've got to, you got to work your way back into it. Yeah. And so tomorrow I'll be fully a full reset. Uh, but today I did indulge in a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, so, and it's, people are probably going to be grossed out by this, but it's pretty delicious to me. Okay. So I occasionally like to get crab salad, like imitation crab. Okay. And crackers and just eat the whole thing. Just a good Ritz cracker and imitation crab salad. Not real Yeah. I'm not a big fan of imitation crab, but I can see where this I've eaten some shameful things in my life. So I can, that's okay. So, oh, so that is shameful. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I guess I should say I've eaten more shameful things than that. Oh, so okay. Okay. I am not one to judge. Well, your guilty pleasure. I know one of them is cheese at nachos. Yes. <laughs> Double cheese. <laughs> you guys cannot see this. But this guy's face just lit up. It's pretty delicious. <laughs> we still need to do the cheese it chicken. Oh. Well, maybe uh, when we see you, I can convince uh, my husband to do it. Okay. What do you think of that? That sounds amazing. Do you need to 
are they deep fried? Can you do it in an air fryer or what's, how does it need to be to make it just a little less unhealthy? Right. Well, or eat like air fryers are super easy. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. And the cleanup is usually not too bad. Um, Because normally does he drop it in oil, cook it in oil? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fine too. We can do that. I just didn't know what's. That's ideal really. But then let's do that. Okay. I'll, I'll chat with him. I'll see what he wants to do. Come on, Kelsey's husband. (laughs) Come on. Who is also our social media manager. He is. Let's do a quick segue because I did want to chat about this. And he's a good friend of mine. I say Kelsey's husband yeah, and it makes it sound like I don't ever speak yeah, to him. Yeah, you guys are like. But he's actually. Best friend. Friend. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So he's our social media media manager about uh, nine months ago, six to nine months ago. He mm-hmm. said that our um, social media game was not good. And he said, let me take care of this for you. And we said, absolutely. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Um, And we have a recent post. Have you seen the likes on this post? Which one? The Eagles. Oh, okay. So I checked on the likes on it, you know, maybe three or four days ago. And I was shocked. Is it climbed? Okay. (gasps) 1,363 likes. No way. (laughs) And I mean, we've definitely been getting more, you know, like he's doing, he's really good at what he's doing, but this one is just off the charts and it's, I mean, the one about the Eagles. Yes. The new Lord of the Rings fan. I was wondering why they didn't just fly the Eagles to Mordor Lord of the Rings fans. And then it's, uh, uh, Boromir Boromir and Faramir. Yeah. Racking up. (laughs) Hey. Y'all who are liking this post need to try out our podcast. That's true. Insane. That's true because we, I know that we have chatted about this. Definitely. I think more than once. Yes. And you know, there were some comments on the post. I did. I, I wanted to run a little clarification um, with you for our listeners, because there were some comments on the post that were a little bit disappointing. Okay. They must not listen. I don't know. Uh, we love you though. Definitely. Uh, somebody said that I heard the Eagles might've been tempted by the ring. So what? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess there's still confusion about the Eagles, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just really wanted to clarify because it's not a plot hole in the slightest. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and I actually read, I, I read something really interesting, not about the Eagles, but just about plot holes in general, that yeah. if you are a viewer or a reader and you're fixating so much on the plot hole, then you're not actually engaged in the story because if you actually were an engaged reader or viewer, you can overlook those small things. Yeah. And it, and it really is a small thing if it's a thing at all. Oh, well, this is not a plot hole by yeah. any means. Because like we've talked about, the Eagles were just a whole different realm. You know, they had their own community. Yes. 
they they're were, not they're not horses. Exactly. They're not like shadow facts. Yeah. Like a tameable being at all. Right. Um, and in the books, I mean, they don't in the movies, but in the books, they they speak. Mm-hmm. They can talk. Um, they are very proud, very intelligent. Yes. And yeah. very fierce. Yes. And the only reason why in, in Lord of the Rings, the only reason why they ever came to Gandalf's aid was because uh, the leader of the Eagles owed him a favor. Right. And not because Gandalf was like, listen here, come help me. You know? Oh, no. It's not. Gandalf does not order the Eagles. No. To do mm-hmm. anything. No. And even them saving uh, Frodo and Sam from Mordor after everything has fallen. Like the Eagles were like, wait a second. L- Nazgul down. Tower down. Sauron down. Okay, now I'll go. You know, like they're not foolish. They're not going to get shot. So. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and they're not, they're not evil by any stretch of the imagination. No, they just don't care. I mean, they're just they independent. Care, yeah. yeah. It's not their war. Right. So who cares? Um, and the only reason and they obviously rescued Sam and Frodo, but he said to Gandalf, listen, this is the last time we're done now. Yeah. Listen, dog. Yeah, this is it. We're yeah, done. This, this is all. <laughs> um, and then even in the Hobbit, you know, that's written way before. But even in the Hobbit, they they didn't go to their aid, the dwarves and Gandalf's aid. They just hated the wargs and the goblins. Hated them fiercely, and so they didn't go with the intention of saving anybody. They went with the intention of thwarting whatever they were doing. Yes. So because the Eagles are a free race yeah. of Middle Earth. They're not beholden to anyone. Mm-hmm. And they typify what freedom is. They they do their own thing. They're their own race. They're highly intelligent. Yeah, um, I would very I would, fearsome foes if you cross them. Yeah, I would I would compare to maybe Bayorn. Yeah. You know? I think, you know, in Dungeons and Dragons world, we would probably call them chaotic and neutral. Yeah. Okay. I can They're not bad. No, they're just... They're just... And they're not even necessarily... Like, they're not just... They won't do good just for the sake of good. They'll do something if they believe it benefits them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, anyway. Go like that post, though, if you haven't yet. It was like last week, I think. When was yeah, that? It's on fire. Killing it. On Killing it. fire. Yeah, that one by far is the the best one so far. But I thought it was so funny. So it is funny. Oh yeah, New Lord of the Rings fans have all these questions, and people who've been fans for years are like, "Oh, listen here." <laughs> this topic has been discussed yes. over and over again, and it's been resolved. You just <laughs> outed yourself. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Um, anyway, just wanted to talk about that. Okay. Uh, and then I got the opportunity last night 
to speak with a, an individual who mm-hmm. just got back from working at Weta for the last two and a half years. I know the individual you speak of. I have not had a chance to talk to him myself, but I know the person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. He's been working on rings of power for the last two and a half years in New Zealand. So nice guy. Can you say nice guy dream job? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I did. He had a, uh, a crew shirt on from the film or from the series that the crew got. Um, and I definitely asked him if I could have it. And he just laughed and then changed the subject. So I'm pretty, I mean, it was a no, clearly. I don't That was it. two years of his life. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, we're not going to say his name on air without his permission. Uh, Cause I don't know that we've gotten it, but um, he's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Well, he's the VFX producer. Yes. Which means, I mean, this is, this is out there now. Was- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say they personally requested for him to work on the series. Yeah. He's kind of a big shot. Yeah. Which is, I mean, really cool. Really cool. Um, so he told me, I said, well, what does that mean? And he said that he's in charge of all of the creatures that you see. Oh, that's it. That's all. That's all. (laughs) And then he got really stoked and he said, yeah, did you see the Balrog? And I was like, uh, yeah. Wait, there's a Balrog in this show? Yeah, there's a new trailer just came out last weekend at Comic-Con. Oh, I haven't seen a trailer of the Balrog. Check it out. Okay. I'm excited. I'm going to watch the series just for him because this guy's a super nice guy. Yeah. And he's very good at what he does. He's stoked about it. He's very excited. about. I mean, he should be, but, um, and no. And so I, I did do, I try to do a bit more research on, you know, when it's set and things like that. But the second age is so vast. Yes. And so my question is like, is it, is it during the war of the elves and Sauron is it like, you know, I'm, I'm in my head. I'm trying to justify why she is a warrior. You know what I mean? I'm sure the reason, one of the big reasons they did it is because uh, Galadriel is a well-known character. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so they made her a main character. Yeah. And, you know, from what I, from what I know, it doesn't explicitly say that Galadriel fought in anything, but there are a couple implications that maybe she did. So maybe they went with that. I don't know. Um, Stretching it a little bit. But I we'll know, see. We'll but, see. You know, I think I'm going to like it. When I saw okay. that Balrog, though, man. Mm. Okay, I'm going to have to look that up. A yeah. trailer with a Balrog in it. Yeah. It just, I think it was like maybe five days ago. Or Does something. it look similar to the Balrog in the trilogy? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I know based on that, I was trying to figure out like what year it was. I don't know. So Did you know that technically 
technically uh, talking about taking, you know, liberties with the text a little bit, but Mm -hmm. you know, this is a pretty minor one. Balrogs do not have wings. Yeah. But I was watching a YouTube video where there's a a Tolkien scholar on there Mm -hmm. and people were asking him, you know, you know, why do they give the Balrog wings? You know, Tolkien describes them specifically as not having wings and that sort of thing. And the Tolkien professor was like, yeah, technically Balrogs are not supposed to have wings, but let's be honest. When they have wings, they look pretty it freaking looks cool. Pretty cool so. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, and that's the thing. There are, and, and we have just talked about this, you know, there are liberties that you do take visually because sure. Sure. it's more appealing, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, They're completely different mediums. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, anyway, I'm pretty excited. September 2nd. Is it that long? Oh, I thought it came out in August sometime, but okay. No, you're probably right. No, you're probably right because I haven't checked it officially, but I thought it was... Now that I said that, I'm like, where did that date come from? Fake confidence? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The Rings of Power release. Uh, Oh, yeah. September 2nd. How does Amazon do it? Are they like... Netflix, where they release the whole thing to binge, or are they more like Disney Plus, where it's an episode a week? The way that he spoke, it seemed like it was a staggered release, like a okay. episode a week. Okay. Because that I said, um, what did I say? I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to say your name and say, he gave me these spoilers, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, um, oh, yeah, well, when you see this in... Uh, a couple months in episode eight and then started joking. So I, I'm pretty sure it's a staggered release. Okay. Which when I'm working, I kind of appreciate that more. Cause then I don't sacrifice sleep, you know, that's the one problem when they release the whole thing is, you know, you start it, you get off work, you get the kids to bed, you have dinner, you get the kids to bed. By the time you start watching it, it's nine. And uh, you just can't stop watching. So by the time you turn it off, you're like, oh my gosh, it's two o'clock in the morning. What have I I (laughs) done? I've got to be up at six. Yeah. So no, that's, uh, we're definitely a, we do, we get home from work, eat dinner, kids to bed, one episode of something. Good night. (laughs) Can you always limit it to one episode? Uh, Not always, but for the most part. Okay. For the most part. My, the show that I binged the worst and thankfully I was much younger when I did this was 24. Oh, okay. Those 24 really, would, you yeah. have to watch, you have to. Every episode would, you'd be like, well, I got to know what happens how come, next. How come every hour <laughs> on the hour, there's a cliffhanger? Yes. There's 24 cliffhangers in a day. Oh, I lost so much sleep with 24. No, that's true. We also did. I mean, we were in a different stage of life too, but with Breaking Bad, we definitely Mm. like just watched that nonstop until we were done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with 24, I was in a different stage. When you don't have kids, this type of stuff is much easier. 
Well, when you do have kids, you think back uh, on all the time that you had. Like, what did I do? I mean, it's I all relative. 24. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all relative. We're always busy, you know, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I look back it's, and you know what I look back on sometimes? I got a job when I was 16. Okay. Okay. What happened to all that money? Like what? What did I do with all that? All that I had to pay for was gas. Like what, what did, did you I, buy? I know. That's what I want to like. I would you know you were at American Eagle. hours a week. You were at American Eagle buying all kinds of stuff. That's true. hot topic. Yeah. Some good old band t-shirts. Do you remember Sam Goody, the music stores? Yeah. Was that your jam? Well, when I was younger, I mean, you know, iPods didn't exist. Music was (laughs) buying CDs and I had, and it was a little bit of a status thing. So you had, you know, this big book book. of CDs in there. Like Like, under your passenger seat of the car. Yeah, look what I got. Oh, you just got that little thing that fits up on your visor. Oh, I've got that's I've true. got a 128 disc book. It's in alphabetical order, no mm-hmm. problem. You're welcome. Alphabetical and according to genre. <laughs> oh, well, I wasn't that hardcore. Uh, man. Well, all you probably had was punk rock. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Actually, that is super true. So, yeah. Um, no, I remember that going to like, uh, I remember going to like Barnes and Noble and just going to the CD section, yes. just flipping through them. And you go over to the box set when you're young, you know, you go over to Barnes and Noble and you go over to the box sets and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, $60 for this box set of CDs. And you just sit there and dream. <laughs> yeah. You're like, man, I cause wish- you're like, I know I can't buy that, I wish but I- that looks awesome. Isn't it crazy the <laughs> amount of time that like we spent doing things that take half a millisecond now? Yes. You know, like we would crazy. have to go to the store to buy a CD and now I just search it and I push purchase. Now you go, well, now you go to Apple music and well, most you of don't even have there. to, yeah, you don't even have to purchase. Yeah. So it is crazy. It is crazy. And here we are thinking we don't have any time, you know? When yeah. I was flipping through CDs and Barnes and Noble, I had all the time in the world. Technically, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't have a cell phone, so nobody could find me. Yes. There Remember those days? <sighs> cell phones have done so much to help society, but also so much to hinder it. Yeah. Sometimes I don't want to be found, you know? No. No. Well, I will tell you this. It's the same thing I tell my wife. Oh, okay. It's your phone. Words of wisdom from Bobby. Yeah. Our new segment. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's your phone. You don't have to answer. That's true. You don't have to. That's true. Just like your door, your front door. When somebody rings your doorbell or knocks on your door. You, you turn don't off all have the to lights. answer. It's your house, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's true. No, that's true. I, it sucks I, when you have kids and they run to the front door going, Mommy or Daddy, there's it? somebody at the like front door. They like open the blinds. Yeah. Like, no, we're Great. not home. Cover's we're blown, home. yeah. 
no, but to, to be very fair, and you can attest to this, I am very bad at texting back. Yes. Yeah. You've gotten better with me recently. Yeah. Well, I got the last several months. I got called out like a few months ago. On the podcast. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know I was that bad. You you can't pretend you didn't know. I just answer in my head. You know what I mean? I've done that before, too. I'll admit I've done that before. I have a friend that texted me like six days ago, and I just remembered two days ago and now it's too late. Like I can't text her back now. That's rude. I have told, yeah, I've, there are times when people text me, I will see the text Mm -hmm. and think, Oh, that's funny or whatever. They're trying to tell me. Oh, okay, cool. But I'm working or doing something. Yeah. So I move on to whatever's happening and I forget to respond and like you said, yeah, like five or six days later, then it's kind of awkward. Well, respond. then it's like a sympathy text back. You know what I mean? Like, haha, I laughed. I'm laughing about that five days ago, but here's now what I really need. Yeah, from you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, can I borrow your truck? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I have gotten better, though. I do have to say you've at least gotten better with me. I will say that. Well, I mean, to be very honest, not a lot of people text me. Probably anymore because I don't text people back, but learned behaviors, you know? Yeah, that's true. Don't text Kelsey. She won't text you back. Don't call her either because she won't answer. (laughs) (laughs) See, with me, you're forced to do a podcast with me once a week. That's true. So you'll call me out on air. Exactly. So there's a, there's a very quick, uh, punishment to that yeah and you know the other way too it goes back and forth i'm not saying i'm perfect at this by any stretch no of you point. sometimes suck not as bad though i do sometimes suck yeah that's yeah. true yeah uh speaking of though i feel like i mean we've talked about this privately but i feel like we do need a new fresh segment yes agreed you know mm-hmm. so we got to brainstorm that if anybody has okay. any ideas, hit us up. Yeah. So we're talking about, we've done quotes and boats now for a while. Yeah. It's which is always time. fun. No, it is fun. And I will admit, I think we have a pretty cool little jingle. Well, that's what keeps me coming back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did that in one take. Yes. It was oh, incredible. Yeah. It was really a, a life changing moment for me. It was, and we figured it out so fast too. We got, we kind of got together and we were trying to figure out how we were going to do it. And within like five minutes, we figured out what we wanted to do. And then we surrounded the microphone and then boom, one take. And it recorded yeah, and done. Felt like geniuses. Yeah. Yeah. It felt, it felt really good. And I, and I, even if we had another one to where we would cycle back and forth, you know. Was, well, I've wondered if we should do a couple of segments and stop talking so much on our intros. <laughs> That's very true. But I we mean, talk about food so much on this podcast. We talk about food so much that we need to do something to where we go get a snack and then we both eat it and then discuss it or something. Yeah. We so, did that one time. 
when we did Turkish Delight. Oh, yuck. I liked it, and you are a sinner. Okay. Well, uh, that's a great idea, though. We're going to do a food segment. You're welcome, everybody. Yes. I'm down. I think it would be awesome to do. Let's get some food sponsors up in here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. All the people who liked our Lord of the Rings post, listen to our podcast. Yes. So that when we talk about food on the podcast, we can call up these people and be like, listen, so many people listen to this. Listen, Cheez-Its. We're eating Cheez-It nachos right now. And we're eating Cheez-It nachos with Cheez-It covered fried chicken. Oh. So I think we deserve a little something, something. It's true. Even if it's just an extra bag of Cheez-Its, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, even if our payment is an extra bag of Cheez-Its every month, you know what? That's awesome. Okay. Free Cheez-Its for life? (gasps) Oh, you're excited. Worth its weight in gold. (laughs) Could you imagine? (laughs) There is no such thing. That's a lot of Cheez-Its. That's too many Cheez-Its. And and they're so orange, you got to wonder, you know? Because it's made with real cheese. Oh, okay. Which apparently they die. Yeah. So. Cheddar, apparently cheddar, if they just sold it the way it comes out, would not be yellowish orange. Well, yeah, because it's It'd be white. Yeah. Like all cheese would be white, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you're correct. I think you're correct, yeah. Especially... The slimy slices of American cheese individually wrapped. What are those? Okay. Let me ask you this. I've never looked at this. I'm curious if you have. Mm -hmm. If you've looked at the nutritional facts of American craft cheese, Mm -hmm. how much of it is actual cheese? Like Like where on the ingredient list is cheese? Yeah. How much of it is other stuff that's not dairy related? Okay, ingredient list of craft uh, singles. Because it's pretty processed. Uh, milk is first. Okay. Cheddar cheese is second. So they mix cheddar cheese with the milk, okay. Yeah, well, I'm saying they list ingredients by order of prevalence. In okay, the- okay. So those are the top two. And then whey, milk protein concentrate, milk fat, calcium phosphate, Sodium phosphate contains less than two. I mean, then it just gets. Then it's oh. like you have to have a chemistry degree. Oh, yeah. This is super interesting. So um, anato and paprika extract are what's used for the color. Anato? Yeah. A-N-N-A-T-O. Mm. It's a food. Yeah, it's food. So it's a natural natural dyes that's in it so that's okay i'm not gonna lie i will eat a cheeseburger with a craft single on it oh there are certain like grilled cheese yes like with like with just cheese not like a fancy grilled cheese right like a bread cheese grilled cheese dipped in tomato soup i don't know about the tomato soup part but grilled cheese I'm not a big fan of tomato stuff in general. You know what I have to get past with tomato soup? 
I, I have to have a like top of the line tomato soup because the Campbell's tomato soup, all that that is, is SpaghettiOs without the noodles. Fair enough. That's exactly what it tastes like. And it just is insulting to me. So what's the top of the line? Like Progresso? Uh, I really like the tomato soup at Trader Joe's. Okay. It's really good. It's like boxed and it's like, um, like roasted tomato something. Yeah. Okay. It probably tastes the exact same. Well, I have to defer to you because I'm not a big tomato product fan. Like tomatoes in general? I don't, because here's the thing. I don't hate them. I will eat them. Tomatoes don't disgust me. Okay. But it's my preference not to have them. And I'm not a big ketchup person. Like if you went to, uh, like, do you ask for no tomatoes on your burger? I, w- I will. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. And like I said, I don't hate them by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just my preference not to have them. What's your stance on pickles? Oh, pickles are incredible. Oh, okay, good. All right. We're so good. Almost anything pickled, I'm mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that pickle dip. Remember that? Yeah. That was delicious. So that so I guess that's like so you're cool with things that have a uh vinegar base. Yes. Oh, me too, usually. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know what ketchup's like, but I'm not a huge ketchup fan. I'll eat it, but it's mm-hmm. not, I'm not a huge fan. But anything pickled, oh my goodness, I yeah. will gobble that up. Yum. Yum. All right. Well, it's, it's uh, decided we're going to start a food segment. We have to because our intros become 35 to 40 minutes because we talk about food so much. Yeah, it's like half relevant stuff of on fantasy and then we always get back to food so we might as well make it a thing Mm -hmm. yeah just label it give it its due respect move on we'll just call it food stuff oh there you go (laughs) we got to get like a little echo in there though okay you know make it all like heavenly yeah We'll go and do a church and get the acoustics going. There we go. Yeah. Get like an organ in there. Yep. Genius. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, we have great ideas. So this is why you get paid the big bucks. It is. It is. Here I am making zero dollars <laughs> now. So <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> All right. Well, anything else for you? I don't think so. Let's uh, get into our segment, which is apparently going to become extinct soon called Quotes and Boats. No, not extinct. Just like halvesies, right? Okay. Halvesies. Okay. All right. We can't get rid of that uh, that song. Agreed. Really the bottom line. So, all right. Here we go. All right. Sorry to disappoint. Quotes and Boats. With Kelson Bob. All right. And welcome back to Quotes and Boats. With Kels and Bob. Well, I guess not back. All you did was listen to our song, but right. we're here. Yeah. Quoting and boating. Um, do. All right. So this is going to be an easy one. Okay. You ready? 
You'll get Ready. it super fast. You have to tell me who. You have to tell me who says it. That's it? Yep. Okay. So this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. Padme Amidala. Yeah. Got it. Yep. What movie? Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's the one that my kids are watching right now. Sorry, yeah. I made string cheese if my mouth sounds full. <laughs> uh, it's our first segment, string cheese. Yay. With string cheese? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, my kids are watching that right now, so I wanted to get a good quote. They're watching Revenge of the Sith? Yeah. Good quotes uh, are hard to come by in that first trilogy. So, Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know what I thought of immediately when they started watching it? Hmm. I mean, okay, so what's the time, what's the time between uh, clones and revenge? I don't know specifically. I'm guessing something in the neighborhood of five or six years. Okay. Because I know Menace to Clones is like 10 years. Yeah. Because Anakin goes from annoying kid with bowl cut to annoying grown up with a rat tail. He was cute as a kid. Mm. That was definitely his peak. Can we agree on that? Anakin's peak? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, And... It just reminds me of what we chatted about with Peter Pettigrew. I mean, that guy's fashion choices, clearly he's not okay. Like that guy is just in black leather the whole time. Who? Anakin. He is? Even as a Jedi? Yes, with like stringy hair. Like he's clearly, you know, like your friend's Animagus is a rat. You should question it. Anakin's wearing all black all the time. Come on, guys. Well, okay. Obi-Wan fought for him for a couple of reasons. They're all in earth tones, though. Yeah. He's in all black. Sorry, continue. I won't cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say Obi-Wan fought for him, number one, because Qui-Gon believed Anakin was the chosen one. You know, Um, and secondly, they were together so much. Obi-Wan, you are my brother, Anakin. You know, (laughs) yeah, he was a brother to him. Well, yeah. And you don't want to probably uh, looking back. He knows now, but. One would hope (laughs) (laughs) after Darth Vader killed him, you think he'd figured yeah. out some stuff. I mean, you go from rat tail to that, something's going on, you know? The rat tail, I'm just like, yeah, I guess I sort of get it, Jedi, but that's not cool for your Padawans. Yeah, like they all have to have that, correct? Yeah, every Padawan does, yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't know why. I wonder. Because George Lucas said so. Because he said so. Okay, what's the years between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith? Um, Six years. Three years. That's it? Wait. 
I mean, you okay. might be right. 10-year jump between Phantom and Attack. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith, three years. Dang, okay. That was a quick, no, listen, that was a quick change in attitude and fashion. So... It's because once he graduated from Padawan to Master. No, he wasn't a Master. Or a Knight, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was on the Council, but he was not a Master. Correct, I'm sorry. Jedi Knight, not Jedi Master. Anakin was was cocky, you know? He was gifted oh, and he, he knew was. it. Yeah, well, no, true. I mean, pride, that was his downfall, so as is most everybody's, I guess. Pride cometh before the fall, yeah. they say. It's really the bottom line, you know? And Yoda warned him. Yoda knows everything. But little green guy, what are you going to do? Yeah. True. Very true. All right. Well, boat me. Is this a riddle? No, this is a trivia question. Ooh, trivia. Okay. Multiple choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready for this? Yep. I think so. Ready to rock and roll. Okay. Okay. Closing my eyes. Obviously, boats and ships have been around for centuries. Mm-hmm. However, the first motor boat was created in what year? Oh, gosh. Well, multiple choice. Okay. 1912, 1886, 1923 or 1897? Give the two 1800s. 1886 and 1897. And then what's after that? The 1900s are 1912 and 1923. Okay. Can't be those because Titanic was like 1911 or something. Okay. True. Um, I actually think it was 1915. I, I, I think it was 1915, but I was going to yeah. look it up for sure. Yeah. Uh, 1986. Again? 1986. 1986. Oh, no, <laughs> 18. <laughs> 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 I was going to uh, say, so motorboats were created no. until after I was born? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I told you you're old as dirt. <laughs> so your answer is 1886. 1886. That is the correct answer. Yes. Bravo. You guys, you have to know your Titanic facts. I'm just saying. Bravo. You have to know. The uh, historians date the very first motorboat to 1886, credited to engineer Gottlieb Daimler and shipbuilder Friedrich Lursen, both yeah. German. Thank goodness for them. They made an invention that is irrelevant to me because I do not like open water. Um, excuse you. We Before we started recording, we talked about how much we enjoyed boating on a lake. That's true. Without I the invention know. of the motorboat, this would no, not occur. I do. Yeah, I do enjoy boating on lakes and being in the water as little as possible but wakeboarding is fun but in a lake you know there are no hammerhead sharks like crazy stuff yeah but there could be like 
sturgeon. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Like 13 foot sturgeon. Yeah. Like you just don't know what's down. Swimming up and like licking your heel. You know what I just saw too? Uh, there's this, um, this has to do with the ocean, which is exactly why I don't go into it. Um, in the Maldives, like, you know, the resorts there, the like overwater yeah. thing. Uh-huh. Okay. So sure. it's crystal clear. You can totally see the bottom. It's so beautiful. Seems fine. Right. No, yeah. but like 20 feet away is a drop to like 16,000 feet, like just a steep drop off to the depths of the 16,000. I don't know. You know me. I don't know, but I was going to say that's like three miles, maybe 1600. It, I'm, it was too far regardless. <laughs> okay. But yeah, just like blackness. Yeah. I've got no business being in that kind of water. I, Cthulhu I could be down there. Well, that's the thing. Like even knowing that that drop off is there, I wouldn't even go in that shallow water. No. Like 20 feet away. And then it's like, who even knows what's going to come out of there? No. I'm on board with you. I, I like being on boats, even on the ocean. I like boats, but being in the water, there's too much unknown. I'm not down with that. Okay, but if you were on a boat to where you were over that like clear water, you could see the bottom, then uh, then all of a sudden you could see nothing because it's so deep. That wouldn't make you uncomfortable. I have not been in that situation, but I think as long as I'm on a boat, I'm okay. Oh, it makes my it makes my skin curl. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. No. Fair enough. I can't even think about it right now. <laughs> getting upset. Did it scare you that much before we did our episode on Cthulhu? No, okay. but I'm like for certain Cthulhu's out there. So. Oh dear. Okay. Not trying to mess with that. Uh, no. So. If he really is, no. Gosh, that was almost a year ago that we did those Fright Fests. We're excited for Fright Fest coming up in a couple months. We are. That has been a very popular series. Yeah. So. And we've been, I mean, we have been really talking about what we're going to do, who we're yeah. going to cover and things like that. It's definitely a topic of frequent discussion. So. Oh, yes. Get excited. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do yeah. it. All right. Well, with that, where are we going to, what are we going to take a bite of? We're going to take a big bite of the meat of our episode. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are going to be launching into a new series this week. So we just finished The Marauders. Yes. uh, Which has gotten great feedback. Mm. And uh, we are so happy and thankful that you guys tuned in for those episodes. But we're moving on to a new one. 
We're glad that you guys have all liked it a lot because yes. we, we really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, I mean, anytime Harry Potter comes up, I think we're pretty excited. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we're going to do a new series starting this week, and we're calling it the Swashbuckler series. Mm-hmm. And so over the next, you know, three to four weeks, I don't know if we've decided officially yet, but over the next three to four weeks, we're going to be doing different characters that would sort of fall under the swashbuckler definition. These are sort of devil may care type of individuals who are adventurers, but effective fighters and uh, maybe are engaging in a little bit of theft or sort of thing. I don't know. Not a kind of roguish. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So who are we starting with this week? I mean, we're starting with arguably your all-time favorite. Uh, correct? Probably pretty darn. Yeah. Your, uh, Bobby's all-time favorite human being. <laughs> he wishes was real. Mm-hmm. But he's not. So Bobby's going to pretend like he's him as wish as I was him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, None other than Indiana Jones. I'm so excited. I can tell. I got a little bit carried away with this outline. Well, I mean, your face is similar to your face when I said cheese at nachos. So. Indy's just a cheese at nacho. Well, what if what if you and Indy sat at a table just talking, eating cheese at nachos? Dream come true. Okay, well, there you go. That's what Dream heaven looks like. Come true. That's what heaven looks like. That's what mine looks like. Yeah, well. <laughs> there you go. People. So we're excited about this series and we're excited to get it kicked off with a pretty iconic character. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's exciting. He's um, adventurous. He's a little rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. And he has probably the best ride at Disneyland. So, you know what? It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. It's up there. It's up there. All right. So, so let's, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. You go for it. Go for it. Well, I was just going to say, let's, I was just going to say, let's kick it off by talking about. How did this character get started? What are the origins of this character? All right. So we first meet him in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. I don't know why I said the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, in 1981. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know that this is created by George Lucas, directed by Steven Spielberg, and portrayed by none other than Harrison Ford. Great job on that one. Excellent work. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent work. Um, And we know that, you know, because of his role in this, as well as what other movie George Lucas originally didn't want him to be um, Han Solo. Right. So Harrison Ford was in American Graffiti. That's right. American Graffiti. Which I think was in 1974. That's a shot in the dark, but I think that's what it was. And so that's how George Lucas knew him. Yes. Yeah. And Harrison Ford is a carpenter. Mm -hmm. And so he was carpentry work for George Lucas. Oh, that's right. Okay. And he needed somebody to come read for Han Solo. Mm -hmm. And 
They auditioned a lot of people for Han Solo, but in the readings, so what Harrison Ford would do is when other actors would audition for other parts, he would just read the Han Solo role. Yeah, he would just step in. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually George Lucas was like, okay, this guy would be a really good Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was American Graffiti that he was in and he didn't want to recycle. Yes. His actors. Yeah. He also didn't want to recycle Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones. That's right. Okay. I'm getting it backwards. That's right. Okay. So Steven Spielberg, who at the time was most well known for Close Encounters of the Third Kind mm-hmm. and Jaws, mm-hmm. wanted Harrison Ford right away. He's like, what about Harrison Ford? Yeah. George Lucas goes, because at this point, Harrison Ford had been in American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. A New Hope. Yeah. And Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And so George Lucas was thinking, I don't really want Harrison Ford for this role because. Well, he didn't want to be known as the guy who is always picking Harrison Ford like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember who they picked originally for this role? Oh, no. He's got an epic mustache. Oh, um. Monica's boyfriend, right? Yes. Richard, yeah. Tom. I'm so upset. Tom. I'm so upset. Selleck. Tom Selleck. Yep, Tom Selleck. Yep. Okay. okay. So Tom Selleck was the original choice for Indiana Jones. I mean, that's fine too, you know? You know, I think it would have been. Yeah, like it would have been it, fine. Not it as been good, but. Fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Tom Selleck was originally cast and started to film. Started to? He did. There are shots of Tom Selleck wearing the fedora. Wow. But Tom Selleck had already committed to this television series, which was very successful successful for him called Magnum Mm P.I. And because of that filming schedule, he could no longer do Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. And so George Lucas was freaking out. What are we going to do? And Steven Spielberg goes, what about Harrison Ford? (laughs) Already said it. So, you know what? Uh, Harrison Ford just is a little more rough around the edges. Yes. Tom Selleck, like his look, you know? Agreed. I've mentioned this quote before, and it's one of my favorite quotes. And I have it memorized. Yes, I'm weird. Okay, go for it. Go for it. But it's from... Uh, Entertainment Weekly writer Ty Burr. And at one point they did a book, which I own a copy of, called The 100 Greatest Movie Stars of All Time. Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford is among those stars. And they would list the essential films of the different actors and actresses. Yeah. Yeah. And for Harrison Ford, one of them was Raiders of the Lost Ark. And his comment on that film was, and I I think this would have still been true with Tom Selleck. Okay. Any other actor would have played him too straight or have winked too hard. Yes. But Harrison Ford made this character legendary right off the bat. Agreed. And I think that's true. No, that's true. Yeah, that's exactly like... 
he, he, it was so natural, you know, everything oh. he did was so natural. He's so good. He is. Don't get me started. He's no, so well, good. I mean, we, we literally just started and <laughs> yes. we have a ways to go. So. We have a long way to go. Yeah. We haven't even gotten past the first point. So, yeah. um, okay. So Raiders of the Lost Ark uh-huh. uh, was a, obviously a huge box office hit. Okay. Yes. Uh, top earner in 1981, it made $212 $222,025. Okay. Worldwide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pocket change, really. Uh, <laughs> no, but if today, okay, in today's money, because that's 1981, guys. Yeah. Today, $700 million. Yes. Wild. In the fact that inflation has accelerated that much is wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and, yeah. Yeah. Oh, every piece of that sentence is wild. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, people wanted it. People wanted Indiana Jones. People wanted it. And Harrison Ford was very excited about it because at that point, Star Wars was his thing, right? He wasn't very well known outside of Star Wars. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Indiana Jones gave him. I've seen him in interviews about this and he, he, Indiana Jones is his favorite character for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, number one, it was, he believed that Indiana Jones is a more complex character than Han Solo. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay. I can. See so that. he was very excited about this role mm-hmm. and also very excited about the film success. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, it did amazing. Okay. Um, one little tidbit of information. Do you yes, know what his original, when, sorry, I know. All this <laughs> no, stuff you're about, so excited and I love it. I know all this stuff about Indiana yes. Jones because yeah. I love him. Do you know what his original, the character's original name was supposed to be before George Lucas changed it? Oh. No, what? Montana Smith. Montana Smith? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really like you're choosing a state and then a plain last name. Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Illinois. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Illinois Williams. Yeah. yeah. Illinois Williams. Here to save the day. To find the ark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so since it was so successful, what then happened? So Raiders obviously was a huge success. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard this story. I don't know if it's true or not, but so in the, I do know this. Harrison Ford was eager about moving on from Han Solo. Okay. And so he thought, that Han Solo should die early in Return of the Jedi. Oh. And. That makes me really sad. George Lucas was like, no, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. If you insist upon that, I will cast another actor to play Han Solo in Return of the Jedi. Oh, and he was like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. And Harrison Ford thought, no, this is my character, but I want to make you this deal. If we keep Han Solo alive in Return of the Jedi, 
we have to do another Indiana Jones movie. No way. Really? That's a rumor I've heard. He would have done it anyway. Maybe. Yeah. That's big money. That's big money. But because of the success of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, they made two other Indiana Jones films within the same decade. Okay. Temple of Doom, which is actually a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark, came out in 1984. And then later on in 1989 came out The Last Crusade. All right. And so that's all the same, like you said, the same decade. Yeah. Which I feel like a trilogy like that coming out, I, I feel like that's quite a feat. You know? Yeah, especially with such big time players involved. I mean, Steven Spielberg was obviously a very busy man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, okay. So we have the three movies so Mm -hmm. far. Uh, And then after 20 years off, um, Indy came back Uh uh, with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in 2007. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, Shia LaBeouf carried that one. Okay, you keep your mouth shut. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, but all all of the movies were very successful. Yes. Even Crystal Skull having mixed reviews. It's just one of those things that's like, well, it's Indiana Jones. It's going to be hot. Exactly. You know, it doesn't really matter. It's it's going to do well. And it did. Um, yes. Okay, so we, you know, you know, we know. Everybody knows that we love Rotten Tomato scores. Yes. <laughs> so break it down for us. So Raiders of the Lost Ark was, of course, we talked about it was a smash hit. Mm-hmm. And it was loved universally by both critics and audiences. Mm-hmm. It earned a 96% Rotten Tomato score from both critics and audiences. That's pretty wild. Yes. Exact same wild. score. Yeah. And high. Yeah. That was in 1981. So in 1984, the, well, the second film, but technically a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, The Temple of Doom. Okay. Which, you know, kind of par for the course for George Lucas, the second film in a trilogy is typically much darker. Mm -hmm. And so Temple of Doom was a darker film not as feel good as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Uh, still did very well financially and critically. Critics give it an 84% mm-hmm. and audiences give it an 81%. So a little drop. There's a drop, but still very strong. Still very scores. good. Still yeah. very good. And then later on, of course, we said in 1989, The Last Crusade came out. Mm-hmm. This movie, for those who've seen it, I hope you all have seen the Indiana Jones films. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It really was more in the spirit of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. And so it did a little bit better with both critics and audiences. What scores did it get? Uh, So 88% from critics, but a bump back up to 94 from the audience. So yeah, they were like, we're back. We love this. This is exactly what we wanted. And I will say this. I don't know how popular or hot a take this is. This is my favorite film of the series. Okay. I, I was about to ask you to rank them, but I, I figured love, we get to Crystal School. Yeah, we will get there. 
That's I love right. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I feel like by default, a lot of people say that's their favorite. Yeah, like it has to be, right? It's the original. Yeah. But Last Crusade is my wow. favorite. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So what happened with, so almost 20 years. Yeah. Indy's been gone from the theaters for almost 20 years. And then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were its reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? Not so hot, Bob. Not so hot. Okay. It is at a 78% from critics and a 53% audience score. Okay. Ouch. Ouch. Still still fairly solid from the critics. Yeah, yeah. Fairly. Yeah. But I will say that this movie had a much different feel than it the original three. It just deviated too much. You know, I'm probably in that 53% that enjoyed it. Okay. But I will say that it does pale in comparison to the original three. Okay. All right. If that makes any sense. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I enjoy almost everything. So. I mean, it's Harrison Ford putting that fedora back on. Yeah. It's just exciting. What are you going to do? You, you like it, period. Yes. Uh-huh. You like it. All right. So uh, what else? You know, clearly these are movies, but what else do we see Indian? So, yeah, Indy's so far been in four official films, mm-hmm. major motion picture releases. But the indie quote unquote, mythos has received very rich contribution over the years from canonized so meaning george lucas has given this his stamp of approval mm-hmm. his canon there has been canonized novels and graphic novels and video games and there was a short-lived television series called the young indiana jones chronicles mm-hmm. this lasted from 1992 to 1993 so a few years after the last crusade and uh, you for hold on you forgot one real quick what i forget and a ride there's a ride too. Yes, that's correct. I'm sorry. I apologize. There's Continue. a ride at Disneyland and I presume maybe Disney World. Probably. Never I mean, been I would there. assume so. But so all of this combined, there is, Kelsey, when I was researching <laughs> this topic and there is so much information I had to cut out. You went down a Other, rabbit hole. Well, otherwise we would have a five hour episode. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I got you. But all of this background history and information, we already know that Indiana Jones is one of the most iconic and beloved characters that have ever existed. Fictional characters oh, yeah. that have ever existed. He's up there with the likes of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, no, I, yeah, definitely. But the just the sheer content that is out there makes him also one of the most fully developed fictional characters of all time. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Just how much there is. Oh, there's so much yeah. information and background stuff. We had to cut a lot out for the sake of making it to where you guys could actually listen to this episode. <laughs> sit here and listen to this. Thank in you In a reasonable so amount much. of time, especially after our... I think maybe almost hour long intro. Yeah. Sorry about that guys. Uh, We really need to work on that. 
we just like to talk to each other. So we do. Yeah. And we assume that others like to hear us talk to each other, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, all (laughs) right. So uh, let's talk about Indiana Jones as a person. Let's talk about his early life, you know, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So in his, so his early life, what do we know about Indy? So he was born July 1st, 1899 in Princeton, New Jersey. And his name is Henry Walton Jones Jr. Yes. Uh, Son of a professor, a Scottish-born professor. And uh, his dad taught medieval studies, Henry Jones, and his wife, Anna. Yes. So his parents, Henry Sr. and Anna. Mm-hmm. Uh, while he was a baby, uh, they... The family, as many do, got a puppy, an Alaskan Malamute, mm-hmm. right? Is that how you say? Yeah. Uh, and they named the dog Indiana. And that was kind of Henry's BFF. Yeah. Yeah. So they, it was just his companion through and through. Oh, All right. Yeah. So then in 1905, when he was six, Henry actually took the dog's name as his own nickname. And that's how he was known for the rest of his life. Which is super interesting. I was thinking if I had done this when I was a really young child. What would your nickname be? So the first dog we ever owned (laughs) when I was an infant was a Rottweiler Airedale Terrier mix. Okay. And his name, his name was Domino. Domino Lane. Domino Lane. Yeah. What would yours have been? Is it too late to call you that? Call me Domino. I'm okay with that. Yeah, Domino. Okay. Yeah. Why Domino? I, when I was a kid, I called it Domido because I couldn't pronounce Domino. Domido. <laughs> uh, what would yours had, be? We had two dogs, and the girl was Spider, and the boy was Buddy. So I would assume Spider Wolf <laughs> for my maiden name. Right. <laughs> I've heard <laughs> I've heard of Buddy. I had never heard of Spider before. Yeah, Spider. Spider was a little black dog. I don't even know what kind of dog she was. And oh no. Oop, I'm just realizing something. I was told that she ran away. I think that she died. <gasps> wow. I'm okay with Spider Wolf. That's that's a really cool name. Yeah. I mean, it would have to be made in name because like that was when I was a kid. Right. I mean, spider Severson, that's fine too. Uh, I think spider wolf is spider wolf. Wolf with an E. Yeah. With an E people at the end. Yeah. With an E. All right. All right. Domino. Let's go. Okay. The adventures of spider and domino. Here we go. Oh, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. I mean, here we go. (laughs) We're going to get shirts made. I don't know what to tell you. Oh my gosh. A domino with a spider logo. Amazing. Okay. Let's talk done about it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Indiana. Here so, we go. Henry what? Jones Jr. AKA yeah. Indiana. What was, was he very, like? Yeah. He was a very curious child, but also very restless. He didn't like to sit still for long. Mm-hmm. Um, he preferred to be active and outdoors and he liked to, con- even from a young age, he liked to conduct scientific experiments. Okay. 
and learn about the real world and experience the real world rather than be stuck inside a classroom studying in school. All right. Do you like that? Were, were you like that as a kid? Um, maybe to a certain extent. I enjoyed school. I enjoyed okay. learning stuff, but I also like to be outside. I guess I was a little bit of a mix. What about you? Uh, neither. Neither? <laughs> like what? You just wanted to read in your bedroom? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, then Henry Sr., obviously his dad. We'll just call him Henry now. Henry is the dad. Indiana is the son. Fair enough. Uh, became a successful author. And so he was asked to go on a two-year lecture circuit around the world. Mm -hmm. Jealous. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Obviously, Indiana and Anna, his mom, went with him. And he was, and because Indiana was a kid, he still needed to be taught. And his father's Oxford tutor, Helen Margaret Seymour, uh, who was very influential in shaping his life was, was his tutor. Yeah. It was Indy's tutor. Yeah. Yeah. Was Indy's tutor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so where did they go? Well, the family traveled all over the place. They traveled throughout Europe, Asia, and Africa mm-hmm. on this lecture circuit. And it was during these formative years traveling around the world and learning from his private tutor that Indiana developed his love of different cultures, Mm -hmm. uh, his love of adventure, and ultimately his love of archaeology. Yeah. I mean, makes sense. Yeah, it does. It really does. I mean, that's, in a sense, maybe you could say it's a lonely childhood, but maybe he, it sounds like he maybe made friends around the world. Yeah. Yeah. And just loved everything about it. Yeah. No, for sure. And that's what he wanted to do. Yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, cool way to grow up. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay. So now, you know, that's kind of his early life. Let's talk about his um, young adult, not young adult, teenage years, I guess. Yeah. Teenage to young adult years. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go for it. Okay. Well, I was going to say, so in this phase of his life, and like I said, I have, we have really compartmentalized this information because there's so much out there. This is dialed back. Yes. Eventually, the family moves back to the United States. Mm -hmm. In fact, they move at one point to the state of Utah, where we'll talk about here in just a minute. But... um, His mother, Anna, sadly passes away. Mm -hmm. How old was he? When she passed away, he was an adolescent. I think he was an early teenager. Okay. Yeah. And so they moved to Utah. And at one point, because uh, Henry Sr. was uh, hired as a professor there Mm -hmm. and a researcher. And... um, Indiana and his father have kind of an interesting relationship. Uh, His father obviously was an intellectual. Yeah. And had very high expectations for his son. Yeah. Um, And he, sometimes it kind of seems like he was a little bit aloof. The father was 
And so they, Indiana eventually really appreciates the upbringing he had with his father. Mm-hmm. But in the interim, he's kind of resentful. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't a, as this we wasn't all a, are. Yeah. I mean, his father wasn't the kind of person who would go out and play catch with him in the backyard. No, for sure. Yeah. But he did give him, you know, uh, what word am I looking for? An unconventional child. Yes. You know, absolutely. So his father was the type of person who wanted his son to recite the, the ancient Greek alphabet rather than play catch with him. Yeah. Type of thing. And so one of the really influential events of uh, Indiana's young life was when he was a boy scout and he came across some essentially grave robbers mm-hmm. excavating and finding the cross of Coronado. <laughs> and Indiana already at a young age in his mid teens felt that such an artifact did not belong to a single person. It belonged in a museum where the public could appreciate it. Mm -hmm. So he stole this cross, which is like a medallion necklace type of thing. Yeah. Ran away with it. This is all documented in the very beginning of Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Mm -hmm. And a young Indiana Jones is played by river Phoenix, who was Joaquin Phoenix's older brother. Mm, Okay who unfortunately tragically passed away at a young age, Mm -hmm. but that's who plays Indiana Jones in this series or in this film. And he steals the cross of Coronado. Eventually the other people recover it. But during the process, if you haven't seen the film, Indiana Jones during this acquires his legendary fedora Mm -hmm. and also his affinity to carry the very versatile and trusty piece of equipment, the bull whip. <laughs> as, a, as a teenager. As a teenager. <laughs> Could you it imagine? It also gets the scar on his chin because Harrison Ford has a scar on his chin. Mm-hmm. And during this film and during the beginning uh, minutes of this film, it shows how he acquires that scar. Mm-hmm. He lashes the bull whip and doesn't know how to use it. And it leaves a little scar across his chin. <laughs> Got to learn somehow. Absolutely. Um, all right. So he, he <coughs> definitely was still, you know, that was very formative, but he was also involved in a lot of famous and infamous events of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were these? Well, we learn later on that as a, Teenagers, an older teenager, I think he was about 17 or 18 years old. He rode with Pancho Villa mm-hmm. during the Mexican Revolution, which, uh, wow, kind of a big deal for a young guy. <laughs> and then later on, he enlists in the Belgian army and fights in World War I mm-hmm. as a very young man. And he was involved in the bloodiest battle of world war one, the battle of the song. So, so yeah, busy guy. He's a busy guy and he's involved in so many different things. It's yes. crazy. Yeah. So he many things. We can't them all. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, okay, so that's really his teenage years. Yes. So now let's get into his college years. Okay. Uh, let's let's start this off with a quote mm-hmm. from good old Henry Jones Sr., his dad. Uh, he says, you left just when you were becoming interesting. <laughs> it's, it's very typical of their relationship, it seems yeah. like. <laughs> oh, you're somebody that I can finally talk to. Oh, you're going away to college. Oh, Bye. Man. All right. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So speaking of dad. Uh, he wanted Indy to study history or linguistics, um, rather than archeology, span you know, he kind of respected those fields a bit more than what Indiana was interested in. Uh, but Andy said, Nope, gonna do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but his application was rejected by Harvard, Yale and Princeton, which maybe had to had to have been a little bit of a punch in the gut since his father was a graduate of Oxford. I mean, that's what I was going to say. You would think that it would just be like, yeah, sure you can. I mean, it's not fair, but come on, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So so where did he go? So in 1920, so at this point, Indy's 21 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been through a lot in his life. Holy smokes. More than Um, most in their entire lives. Yes. <laughs> in 1920, he was accepted at the University of Chicago, which no disrespect, University of Chicago is still a prestigious school. Mm-hmm. It might not have the reputation of the Ivy League schools that India applied to, but the University of Chicago is still a prestigious school. Mm-hmm. And there he studied under a person who would become his mentor And in a lot of ways, his father figure. Okay. Because this guy loved Indy like a son, and his name was Abner Ravenwood. And, you know, accepted what he was into. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. And he would go on a lot of adventures and uh, excavations with Abner over the years. Um, And during this time, he also met Abner's teenage daughter, Marion. Mm hmm. And Marion was a very smart, very independent young woman. And so uh, as a result, she and Indy fell in love. Okay. Love it. But love she was it. a little, she was a little bit young. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is the 1920s though. It's a, a little, little questionable, a little different, but yeah. they fell in love. Um, and, but ultimately Indy would break this relationship off. Mm-hmm. A little unclear how far they went, but he would break it off. Okay. Uh, While he was at the University of Chicago, he also became very good friends with a gentleman named Harold Oxley. And Oxley was a brilliant archaeologist, and he and Indy became fast friends and shared an obsession with an archaeological artifact called the Mitchell Hedges Skull, Mm -hmm. which if you can, if you haven't seen the movies, you can still maybe put two and two together and think this might come back sometime in the future. Yeah. At least I hope that you can connect the dots there. Yeah. Yeah. So going forward, what happened with his education? Uh, So 1925, 
he had completed his studies by that point, and he also became a professor of archaeology. So let's break this down. 1920, accepted to college. Yeah. 1925, professor. Yeah, he's a doctor. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Dr. Jones. Yeah. So there you go. Um, If you thought that you were successful, try again later. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) So he's a pretty sharp guy. No. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you know, very talented in that field. Yes. You know, we discuss a lot. There's so many different layers of intelligence and um, it's not all about facts that you know it's you know and he was obviously very gifted in archaeology yes absolutely so then we move on to what most people know and in the parlance of the indiana jones mythos this is considered the high adventure years Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of stuff that happens during this period really it's between the years of 1927 to the years uh, 1938, I believe. Mm-hmm. So we're talking I about. Love, a little... I, I love the years that it's set. Okay. You know, it Well, no, it's made in the eighties, but it's set back in the twenties, thirties, you know? And I, I really like that a lot. Yeah. Cause when George Lucas developed this, what he was thinking about was he liked the adventure serials Mm-hmm. that existed during the 1930s. Yeah. And so when he wanted to make these films, that's how he thought of Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's kind of set during this time period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Indy has a lot of adventures during this time period. Some of these adventures include trying to find Noah's Ark. Okay. Trying to find the Philosopher's Stone. We know so where going- that is. Yeah, going back to Harry Potter a little yeah. bit there. You know exactly um, what vault that's in, okay? Yeah, exactly. It's at Gringotts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he also tries to find Merlin hmm. because he believes at one point the legend of Merlin is real and believes that Merlin okay. is still alive. All right. So he tries to find Merlin. Maybe a little but, off, but we'll let it slide. Yeah. But for the sake of brevity, for the sake of trying to make this podcast episode a reasonable yeah. length and to, to stick with a bit. yeah and to stick with familiarity we will deal with the top 3 events of the high adventure years and that gets yeah. us into the Indiana Jones films yes so, so yeah like, go ahead well like you said temple of doom is a prequel to raiders okay right uh, so that comes first. And this is set in 1935 in India. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so what, what happens in Temple of Doom? What is, what's really his big role in that? What is he doing? So in the Temple of Doom, we first find Indiana Jones in China. Mm-hmm. And he's got some dealings there that don't go the way he wants to. He's on a plane and he ends up crash landing in India. Mm-hmm. And when he's there, he comes across a village that is suffering. They don't have food, very little water. And when they get to that village, all of a sudden he realizes, wow, there are not any children here. Okay. 
And so the elder of the village comes to him and says that they are missing their village stone that has blessed them for generations. Mm -hmm. So this guy starts to describe what this stone is. And Indiana Jones recognizes pretty quickly that this is one of what are called the Sankara stones. And these stones are sort of oval in shape and they contain inside them diamonds. Okay. And when these stones are brought, the stone, one stone individually contains some pretty impressive magical power, Mm -hmm. but when they're brought together, it's just insane, unbelievable power. Okay. And so they ask Indiana Jones to find them that this stone was stolen by a group of people who are practicing evil stuff. And so Indiana Jones and his uh, sort of compatriots, one of them is a a little uh, Chinese boy named Short Round is what Indiana Jones calls him. Okay. They are going to go find this stone. And this is kind of a, a cool quote from this movie. Short Round asks Indy, what does Sankara mean? And Indy says, fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. (laughs) And so they go to find this stone and they get there and they encounter a cult that's called the Thuggy cult. Mm -hmm. And they're pretty bad. They practice in dark, evil rituals and dark magic. Yeah. And they want to get the stones together to be able to sort of take over the world mm-hmm. type of thing. And so Indiana Jones, short round and, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her name. The woman that is also in it. Um, they end up going to this place and they see that the thuggies are enslaving children to mine for other stones and they practice human sacrifice and anyways, a whole dark thing ends up happening, but Indiana Jones ultimately succeeds in taking back the stone for the village, returns mm-hmm. it, and the village is prosperous once again. And they return the children to the village. There you go. Thank you, Indy. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. He's really a hero. He is, yeah. Um Sephora and whip in tow. What? His fedora and whip oh, is in yes. tow. Can never forget those. That is for certain. Yes. Yeah. Um, so next up is Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, in 1936. So just one year after Temple of Doom. Yes. The events of Temple of Doom. And this is um, mostly in Egypt. Uh, so the Ark that is referred to is the Ark of the Co- Covenant. Uh, described in the Old Testament uh, Bible, okay? Mm-hmm. And Indy is up against some uh, a, a crazy rival archaeologist that is also trying to find the Ark. And this archaeologist has aligned himself with the Nazis to get the Ark first. Yeah. Uh, and the Ark does possess incredible, incredible power. Uh, and much more than the Nazis are prepared to deal with. Um, and so obviously, you know, uh, I hope that you have seen the movie and, and realize what happens. But 
uh, the Ark is found. And yes, it does have a lot of power, like I said. Uh, but then also in Raiders, uh, Indy is reunited with Marion Ravenwood in this one. He is. Yeah. He is. So, um, you know, like we talked about, his little uh, GF that was maybe a little too young, maybe more <laughs> appropriate now, I think. It's about 10 years later. So she's yeah. in her mid twenties, I think. Yeah. So, so we're good at that point. We're good. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this is really the, when people talk about Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark is really the iconic. Yeah. Like this is what they're talking about most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the famous scenes that you think about from Indiana Jones films are in this one. Yeah. Like the, Um, the raw, the boulder, you know, Um, Yeah, the boulder rolling down the ramp and stuff like that. That's that's in this film. We also learned about Indiana Jones fear of snakes in Mm -hmm. this film. Yeah. Um, One of his famous quotes is, you know, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes (laughs) when uh, he goes to uh, recover the Ark of the Covenant? Mm -hmm. And yeah, towards the end, I mean, the Ark has been recovered and the Nazis have it and they try to open it up with the help of this sort of rogue archaeologist that is Indiana Jones' main antagonist. Mm -hmm. And really the power of God is unleashed. Yeah. And the Nazis are not prepared for this because I don't think they really believe in it. Well, that, and I don't think that maybe like the power of God was on their side, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. So there's that too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, Basically, the faces of the Nazis melt off in that scene. (laughs) And uh, the Ark is recovered by the United States government. Okay. And uh, put in a warehouse somewhere. And we find out in a later film where exactly that warehouse is. And then Nicolas Cage goes on an adventure to find it. What? No, I'm just kidding. What's that movie called? Um, You're talking about National Treasure? (laughs) Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Definitely the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> no, I know. But, you know, just a sequel to that, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now the really his last adventure main one that we're going to talk about in these years, high in the high adventure years. What is it? So the last adventure during this period we're going to talk about is The Last Crusade. Mm hmm. And when I was a kid, I remember reading that title and thinking, oh, this is going to be the last Indiana Jones movie. And later on, I learned about history and what this really meant. Mm -hmm. So the Crusades, of course, were European efforts to retake the Holy Land. And, uh, you know, in Jerusalem, they were searching for holy artifacts. Mm -hmm. And one of these artifacts we're going to talk about here in just a minute. So The Last Crusade, as we mentioned before, this is the third movie that happened in the same decade. So this happened in 1989 or was released in 1989. Mm -hmm. It takes place, this one takes place in more sort of diverse areas than the other films have so far. Um, So this is eight. So two years after the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. And it takes place a lot of it in Europe, but also we have scenes in North Africa and in the Middle East. Okay. 
And this is the film where we meet in person for the first time, yes. Indiana's father. Thank and you. that's, what's that? Said, thank you. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so in this film, we get to meet Henry Jones Sr. And he is portrayed by none other than the great Sir Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they interviewed Steven Spielberg, who has directed all these films up to this point, um, they asked him about Sean Connery being cast as Indiana Jones' father. And Steven Spielberg says, well, who else could be Indiana Jones' father other than James Bond? Fair enough. So... I mean, fair yeah. enough. See ya. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's who we get. And in this film, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. It's my favorite of the Indiana Jones films. And probably for a lot of other people, too. I don't think I'm mm-hmm. unique or original in that. But Raiders of the Lost Ark is obviously way up there as well. But in this film, we see Indiana Jones recruited to find the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Which, as we talked about a little bit in our episode quite a while ago on King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table, uh, the Holy Grail is, for the most part, considered to be the cup that Jesus Christ drank of at the Last Supper, and also the cup that caught his blood when he was crucified. Yes. And according to the film and according to other lore, this cup was entrusted to a follower of Christ named Joseph of Arimathea. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Indy is recruited to find this artifact, which he's very excited about. This is sort of the pinnacle of archaeology. Well, yeah, like the top of the top. Yeah. And um, he lets the guy who recruits him, who we'll find out later is the main antagonist named Walter Donovan, mm-hmm. um, a wealthy American businessman who uh, has nefarious purposes for the Holy Grail and allies himself with the Nazis. Yeah. So um, we mentioned this in, in, with Raiders of the Lost Ark too. So this is the second film where the Nazis are involved. Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of pre-World War II. Okay. But the Nazis are prominent still. And uh, the gentleman who at the time seems like an ally wants Indy to find the Holy Grail. And Indy says, you know what? You've got the wrong Dr. Jones. You need to find my father. And the gentleman, Walter Donovan says, well, that's the problem. Your father was our project leader and now he's missing. Mm -hmm. So this automatically pulls Indiana Jones into it. He wants to find the Grail. He also wants to find his father. Yeah. And, uh, we find out later his father has been abducted because uh, Henry Jones Sr. is a grail enthusiast. Mm-hmm. So he's a professor of medieval studies, but really grail lore is his hobby. Yeah. And he is the world's leading expert on this stuff. And he has kept a diary about the Holy Grail for years, for decades. And this is the information the Nazis want to get a hold of. And so Indiana Jones figures this out eventually. Um, he ends up rescuing his father, and then they decide they want to go find the Holy Grail to keep it out of the hands of the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the process, 
Henry Jones Sr., his dad, Sean Connery, is shot and mortally wounded. Mm -hmm. And so during this whole epic, amazing scene, Indiana (laughs) Jones figures out how to get through the various booby traps that are there to prevent people from getting to the grail, people who are unworthy. And he gets in there and he encounters a knight who has been alive for 700 years Mm -hmm. protecting the grail. And the reason this knight has been alive for so long is because the knight found the grail, drank from it, which gave him eternal life and agreed to guard the grail. And now Indiana Jones is the quote unquote knight who has come to replace him. Mm -hmm. And so the bad guy, Walter Donovan comes in, wants to choose the grail to sip of it and have eternal life. And there are dozens of cups and chalices in this room. Mm -hmm. And the knight says, you must choose, but choose wisely. For the grail will give eternal life. The real grail will give eternal life, but the false grail will give death. Mm -hmm. And so Donovan ends up choosing a chalice, the fanciest one he could find drinks from it, thinks he's good. Done. Shocker, he turns into dust and dies. And so Indy's going through and looking and he's like, and Indiana Jones thinks properly, Jesus was a carpenter. Mm. What cup would a carpenter use? Mm -hmm. And he finds the most simple chalice that is in there and drinks from it. And the knight lets him know, you have chosen wisely and so at that point indiana jones is an immortal but he can't take he cannot himself pass and he cannot take the grail beyond a seal that is in the cave Mm -hmm. but he also needs to heal his father who has been shot and mortally wounded um but henry senior is not he's within where the seal is yeah so indy takes it out lets his dad drink of the cup and pours it on his wound and his father is healed completely. Mm -hmm. And so then at that point, you know, somebody foolish takes the grail past the seal. The cave starts to collapse in um, and Indiana Jones and his father ultimately determine, you know what? It's not worth it. The grail is not meant to pass beyond these boundaries and they leave, but Mm -hmm. they're, safe and sound when they leave. Yeah. That's how the last crusade ends. Good movies. Oh my gosh. The last crusade. It gives me chills and almost bring tears (laughs) to my eyes thinking about it. I know what you're watching later. Uh, Affirmative. I'm going to go turn it on (laughs) as soon as we're done. All right. So that those were the high adventure years, you know, that's what we, know mostly of indie because of the movies and things like that. Yes. Um, but let's talk, uh, you know, we talked about how Nazis were very prevalent in Raiders of the Lost Ark and um, Last Crusade. Yes. So clearly we're pre-World War II there, but let's get into World War II and the Cold War and the role that Indy played in both of those. Okay. Um, So he served in the U.S. military in World War II, and he rose to the rank of colonel. 
Mm-hmm. And he worked for the OSS. So that's the precursor to the CIA. And he worked as a spy, actually, for them. Yeah. Uh, and then after the war, he did continue to work in U.S. intelligence. And during the early part of the Cold War, he was, you know, still a spy doing all that business. Uh, and he spied on Soviet operatives. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, pretty intense. He's an intense guy. Pretty intense. So this leads us, you know, we're out of those high adventure years, but there has to be some kind of bridge. And here it is to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. Said in 1957. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what happens? what, What does he really do in this movie then? So in this film... Uh, at the very beginning, we find out Indy has been abducted by the Soviets mm-hmm. and they are trying to locate an artifact. It is a yes. crystal skull shocker, the name of the movie. What? Um, and yeah, and this skull though is highly magnetized, yeah. which is weird because crystal has no magnetic qualities. Yes. Yeah. Typically. However, this one is highly magnetized. And we come to find out has very powerful psychic capabilities and properties. Mm-hmm. And during this movie, um, they Indy recovers the skull. It's the Mitchell Hedges skull that we talked about earlier yes. uh, with his friend Howard Oxley. And so they uncover the skull, they find it and the Soviets find them and they capture them and all that good stuff. But during this process, Indy is reunited again. And we hope that this is the final reunion. Yes, please. uh, With Marion Ravenwood. It's a sign. It's a sign. And they end up getting married at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. During the course of the film, Indiana Jones realizes he's got a son. Yes. And his name is Shia LaBeouf. His name is Shia LaBeouf. Uh, <laughs> no, his name is um, Mutt. What's his name? They no. call him Mutt. No, what's his name in Even Stevens? Oh, I can't remember that. What is it? That's going way back. Oh, man. Okay, go ahead. So he finds out he has a son. He reunites with Marion. And with Oxley, or did I say how? I think I said Howard earlier. Yeah, it's I think Harold. so. Harold. It's yeah. Harold Oxley. And reunites with his old friend, Harold. And they end up getting the skull and taking it back to where it's supposed to be in a place called Akator, mm-hmm. which is an ancient name for what we now know as the city of El Dorado. Yes. The city of gold. Yeah. And we find out that the treasure that is supposed to be in El Dorado slash Akator is not material wealth. It's knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so they return the skull to where it's supposed to be. And during this process, they determine that this is an extraterrestrial slash interdimensional being yeah. who has incredible knowledge and incredible power. Yeah. Too much for human beings to comprehend. Yeah. And so during this process, the main antagonist, who is played by Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. um, of Lord of the Rings fame. Yes. Um, 
her mind becomes overloaded and she goes bye-bye. And Indy, Marion, Mutt, and Harold all escape as the city crumbles and this bean flees in their interdimensional spaceship back to their dimension. Yeah. So that pretty much completes the films. Mm -hmm. The Indiana Jones films. There's stuff that happens after that. There are there is some information that happens after that in Indy's life. Uh, we find that from some of the novels and uh, the young uh, Indiana Jones chronicles. And that's all canon. It's all canon as of right now. Okay. But we'll talk about in a little yeah. bit here why that could change pretty abruptly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of finishes the big adventures yeah his adventures of of indiana jones absolutely we we know he's going to have more but that kind of covers the major ones to this point so now let's talk about who indiana jones is as a person what are his what's his personality like and what are some of his traits well i mean to really sum it up um, indy is a 20th century renaissance man so really he's has many talents. He's very well-rounded, um, very talented in a lot of ways. Uh, he was president, he president, no, he was present, um, during and participated in, uh, like we talked about a lot of major events in history, um, and uh, impacted their outcome a lot of the time. Yes. Um, yeah, you, you name an event, Indy was there. Okay. At least watching. During the 20th century. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Uh, And he was, like we said, a professor of archaeology. He's very intelligent, very gifted in that area, among others, but especially archaeology. And that's why he's recruited a lot, clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's in excellent physical condition uh, and a great athlete. He's very physically fit. Yes. very naturally also gifted. good looking, good, good looking too. Harrison Ford is a good looking man. I just thought if nobody, if I hadn't said it before, I'll just say it real quick. Okay. Fair enough. There you go. <laughs> Harrison Ford or Ewan McGregor pop quiz. Ooh, Ewan. Oh my gosh. You failed the quiz. Oh, darn it. All right. Harrison Ford is just a legend. She's thinking. I am. I'm thinking. I can't. I can't betray Ewan McGregor. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. All right. I can't do it. Uh, what else, though? So Indiana Jones, we come to learn, is a very open-minded guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, yeah. I mean, essentially, just open to a lot of new ways of thinking and open mm-hmm. to new discoveries, basically. Yeah. yeah. And he's naturally very curious. Yes. Sometimes maybe to a fault. Yeah. He will stay in places that are extremely dangerous just to find out information that he didn't know before. Yes. Yeah. Um, As a character, he's also very confident. Mm -hmm. He's confident in his knowledge and he's confident in his physical abilities. Yes. And he's very persistent. He does not quit Easily. In fact, I have not come across a situation yet, I guess, where he quits at all. 
That's true. Yeah, very true. Yeah. He follows through. You can say that about him. He really does. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is something that I think is interesting about him mm-hmm. because he's probably what I would classify as a calculating person, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a cautious one. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's, he's willing Almost to a fault. Well, if he was cautious, we wouldn't have these movies. Well, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, he's willing almost to a fault to put himself in harm's way mm-hmm. for the sake of really these four things. Love. People that he loves and cares about, he's willing to put himself at risk for. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowledge, because yeah. he's extremely curious and wants to know what's going on. Why is it going on? And what's, you know, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. So he's willing to put himself in harm's way for love, knowledge, and let's be real, also for fame and glory. Yeah. Which he talks about explicitly in the Temple of Doom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but not above that. No, not at all. But typically, he will not put himself into a risky situation until he has devised a plan. Yeah, yeah. How he's going to accomplish it. So he's not reckless. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I say he's calculating. He's not cautious, Mm -hmm. but he's calculating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, What are some of his other um, abilities that help him during his adventures? I mean, he processes information very, very quickly and can adapt to his environment very quickly. Um, he can, you know, he does things like he uses objects, um, different structures, his surroundings to his advantage. So he can really problem solve, like you said, you know, devising a plan and he can do that using really unfamiliar surroundings at the same time. And he could do that quickly. Um, he can speak, read, write in 27 languages. Um, I can barely, I can barely do one. So here we are. Uh, and finally you, you do this one, his signature look, what does he have? His signature pieces of equipment that are always on him, almost regardless his iconic fedora. Yes. His bullwhip, mm-hmm. which he uses in many different situations. He uses it to fight with. He uses yeah. it to swing to different places, uh, to bring things to him that are a bit beyond his reach. It's a very versatile piece of equipment. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, I didn't know that you could use a bullwhip in so many different ways. Yeah. Which did you know? Oh. Maybe you didn't, but again, Indiana Jones trivia. I love okay. it. Okay. Okay. His bullwhip that he uses in the films is a special modified bullwhip. Really? So, yeah. So, bullwhips typically have a much longer handle. Okay. To grab onto. Yeah. Indiana Jones bullwhip that he uses has a special modified short handle. Okay. Why? It can be utilized with one hand. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. All right. And he also always has a satchel mm-hmm. 
got to put those precious artifacts in something. Yeah. The satchel's what it you gotta is. Carry, you have to carry a purse, you know? It's not a purse. It's a satchel. Okay. As Zach Galifianakis told us. <laughs> Very true. Fair enough. Fair enough. He also typically has his, which one of these days I have to acquire one of them, is his really awesome weathered brown leather jackets. Mm-hmm. Classic. And al- yes. And he almost always has a revolver on him. Yeah. Because you always want to bring a gun to a fight where somebody's brought a knife. Yes. At, well, of course. Yeah. He knows. He knows what's up. Again, he's calculating and he looks to where he can have advantages. Yeah. So like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that iconic scene where the guy pulls out the big scimitar and starts swinging it around and laughing, Indy just pulls out a revolver. <laughs> it's like, listen, I didn't come to fight fair. I came to win. Okay. It, so. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about some prominent themes that we see to kind of finish this off. Um, yeah, go for it. What are, what are some of the prominent themes in Indiana Jones? So, I mean, his adventures, uh, you know, we have action, humor, faith, religion. We see that with those art, really most of the artifacts, uh, metaphysics, uh, supernatural and magical elements as well. I mean, it's very well-rounded as far as adventures go, you know, you get a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in the first three films, you know, we have, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, we have Temple of Doom and we have the last crusade. So in those, uh, there's good progression, for Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he kind of goes on a spiritual journey and then fighting that cult, the pagan black magic cult, uh, encountering the Hebrew God in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then ultimately, uh, the healing power and grace and forgiveness of Christ. Yeah, this was a cool article that I found. Mm-hmm. And for those who are interested, um, it's on uh, a website. And the article is called The Theological Theory of Indiana Jones. Okay. For those who are interested in it. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was fascinating. So, yeah, like, like you talked about. So in the first three films, they're kind of out of chronological order. Yeah. So Raiders is first. Mm-hmm. But... Technically, Temple of Doom is the first adventure. Yeah, technically, it's that cult that he's encountering. Yeah, and he deals with this horrible black magic, like you said, black magic cult that is willing to do human sacrifice and do all kinds of horrible things. Mm -hmm. And he vanquishes that. But in his next adventure, a year later, essentially, he encounters the Ark of the Covenant. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the end of the film, he sees the power that is in the ark. And that story is really covered in the Old Testament of the Bible. Yeah. And so Indy gets to see firsthand the awesome might of the Hebrew God. Mm -hmm. And that's got to have an effect on you, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, so... 
it, it's kind of crazy. And then you get to the last crusade mm-hmm. and he's got to go find the Holy grail. And there's this really powerful scene at one point. I, I think it's a powerful scene in the film where he goes to his uh, father's house and he sees that it's ransacked. Okay. And he realizes that they are looking for his father's diary, his father's grail diary. Okay. And he's there with one of his uh, colleagues slash mentors, Marcus Brody. And he sees like how the state, the state of his father's home has been completely ransacked. And then he's looking at pictures on his father's wall of grail lore and grail legend. Mm -hmm. And John Williams, by the way, the great composer of our time. Yes. um, Does the music for the Indiana Jones films. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is this wonderful piece that is playing during this time. It's not the iconic Raiders March. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that we all know as the Indiana Jones theme, but it's this other great piece that's playing during this time. And Indy's looking at these pieces on his father's wall and he looks at Marcus Brody and he says, do you believe Marcus? Do you believe that the grail is real? And Marcus says, oh, what does he say? I'm trying to remember. He says, the search for the grail is the search for the eternal in us all Hmm. or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And so this progression that Indy has, he's seen what black magic can do. Yeah. He's seen what the power of God can do. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in The Last Crusade, sorry, I'm talking a lot. No, no, it's interesting. But in The Last Crusade, he's, so he's seen black magic. He's seen the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And then in The Last Crusade, he sees the grace and the mercy and the healing power that is available in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a really interesting evolution yeah. over those three films, in my opinion. No, that's, that's awesome. And uh, I just, I looked up the article that you were talking about and we'll link that in the show notes too. So it's like easy to access if anybody wants to check it out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, along with that spiritual journey, like you talked about, um, he does have, he becomes a more moral and considerate person along the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, as I like to think we all do as we get older, for the most part. I hope so. Yeah, for the most part. We all try. Um, and then also the supernatural is very prominent um, in the Indiana Jones mythos. Okay. And, you know, like we said, he's curious. He um, is open to all of that. And he takes it in stride. Everything that he encounters. he he never really seems freaked out he's not surprised ever (laughs) which maybe goes back to his open-mindedness yes yeah definitely a little bit and his his thirst for knowledge yeah yeah very interesting for sure 
All right. Well, um, leave us with the, what do you have to say about Indiana Jones? Um, well, what I have to say is there's more to come. What? Tell me more. Because it has been released. And I think we talked about it on a previous episode, maybe a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, it has been confirmed that a new Indiana Jones film is scheduled to be released in the summer of 2023, a year from now. It's no time at all. Perfect. And um, I will say this. What's the bad guy's name in uh, Secrets of Dumbledore? Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah. Oh. He's in it. No way. He's in it. He's got to be a bad guy, right? Oh, of course. I'm sure. Oh, okay. I mean, that guy has the face. I'm sure he is. Yeah. But this is what encouraged me because people might say, Harrison Ford's too old. Please. He can't do this anymore. He's 80. Harrison Ford's 80 years old. He's 80 years old? He's 80. Wow. Okay, continue. But I saw an interview with Mads Mikkelsen. Mm Mm-hmm that said that what made him excited and encouraged, he said that basically Harrison Ford is a physical freak of nature. Yeah. And they did a scene, essentially a filming segment Mm -hmm. where they worked through the night. Okay. All night long, they filmed this scene. And in the morning, they were all getting ready to go back. He said that Harrison Ford jumped on a bicycle (laughs) and rode 50 kilometers back to his trailer at 80 years old. And he thought, this guy's an animal. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) he thought like, holy smokes, this guy is insane. (laughs) And so I'm excited about it. Um, Yeah. It's a little crazy because it's the first Indiana Jones film that has not been created by George Lucas Mm -hmm. and has not been directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, so we'll see, huh? So we'll see. Who's directing? I can't remember his name. I'd have to look it up. Okay, okay. Um, But um, allegedly, Harrison Ford has announced this will be his last film. Ever? Ever. Ever. Whoa. I just got chills. Really? (laughs) So, yeah. He's 80. So, I'm excited. And Kathleen Kennedy, who runs the Lucas Films division of Walt Disney, Mm -hmm. um, she has obviously overseen the new Star Wars trilogy, which has been universally panned. Nobody cares about it that much, um, unfortunately. I'm one of those. Um, But what encouraged me about this, she said that there will never be ever another person who plays Indiana Jones besides Harrison Ford. Good. Please stick to that. Please. So I'm hoping this is going to be epic. Yeah. Beyond all belief. Wow. This will be his last movie. I mean, he's 80. He's, I mean... He can retire, you know. I think he's got permission to. Yeah. You're good, man. 
So I'm pretty excited about it. I hope it's going to be good. I've enjoyed oh, this episode. It's a long one, but I've enjoyed. No, it, it was. It, I loved it. It was awesome. Really? Was episode, and I hope that you all enjoyed it too. Any last thoughts or anything like that? I don't think so. I didn't realize that the movie was coming out so soon. I, mean, I didn't even know they were making here, it until a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. You were surprised. Who told and us? I don't know. I think it was a figgy. Maybe. And I looked on the Raider.net, which, by the way, is a great Indiana Jones fan site. The Raider.net. Oh, okay. There you go. You're interested. Yep, there you go. If you can't tell, I love this stuff. Yes. Big fan over there. Mm-hmm. But uh, we will continue our swashbuckling series next week. Yes. Yeah. Um, But a good intro to this mini series within a series. Yeah. Of characters who buckle swashes. They do very well at that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, continue the journey on social media. You can email us at thefigpod at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at thefigpod. And go ahead and uh, like that photo that is trending, you know, from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Just keep it going, I guess. Uh, You could find us on Patreon. uh, Become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash the fig pod. And please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow so that you never miss another episode of the Fantasy in General podcast. See you next week. See you next week.